Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Kate Erickson for Female Startup Club. And welcome back to the show. It's Dune here, your host and hype girl. Today on the show, we're speaking to Kate from Entrepreneurs on Fire, which if you haven't heard of it, is an epic podcast hosted by John Lee Dumas. If you do know it, you actually might have heard Female Startup Club's ads on his show a month or two back, which was pretty damn cool. Kate is the behind-the-scenes wizard that's helped grow the show from humble beginnings nine years ago into a seven-figure business, all while living in Puerto Rico paradise, building the life of their dreams. In this episode, we cover what Kate attributes the success of their show and business to, her advice for people like me who are early on in the journey, and how they're approaching growth today. And while I've got you here, in case you missed the memo, I have my very first book coming out at the end of Feb, and I am so, so, so excited. I'm actually on the lookout for people who can help spread the message and spread the good word. So if you are someone who might be able to help me out, I would love to meet you. Please do slide into my Instagram DMs so we can chat. If we aren't friends already, you can find me at Dune Roisin, which is D-O-O-N-E-R-O-I-S-I-N. Let's get into it. This is Kate for Female Startup Club. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Kate, hi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. How is life in paradise for you today? Oh my goodness, so good. No <laughs> complaints here. The sun is shining, the sky's super blue. I went out and played tennis for a couple hours this morning, which felt great. Um, yeah, just living the life here in Puerto Rico. I've never been. I really, really, really want to come and check it out. It looks so beautiful. It is, but you're not in such a bad place either. I mean, <laughs> Switzerland, London, and you've got some Australia going on. I mean, those are all three beautiful places as well. That's true. That's true. Lots of beautiful places. A little bit different weather. <laughs> little bit different weather. I would definitely <laughs> trade for some sunshine at this point. I feel like it's been a long... London's gloomy. You know, it's been a long, gloomy yeah. winter season, but... Um, <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully we'll come out of it soon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so excited to get into this conversation today, especially from a selfish perspective of wanting to learn everything about Entrepreneurs on Fire and what you've been building with the business alongside John. Where do you like to start the story and how does your story start within Entrepreneurs on Fire? Yeah. So I like to go back to the very beginning because I always feel like that is, you know, otherwise it can seem like this all just happened, but <laughs> a lot of hard work and, and luck and lots of stuff went into it. Um, so John and I started dating in 2011 um, and I moved out to Maine from California to live with him. And I started a job in advertising and marketing and he was working in commercial real estate and one day I came home from work and he said, I have an idea to start a podcast. And I was like, 
awesome. What's a podcast? (laughs) Um, I was like not familiar with podcasting. I really wasn't that familiar with entrepreneurship at the point either. Um, But he said, look, I've got this vision. I know this can work. I'm really inspired by it. And I want to inspire other people in the same way that, that I've been inspired. So I'd like, I want to do this. I'm like, you do it. He quit his job. He launched the podcast 2012. And then about four months after he launched. So I was kind of like on the journey with him without being like in the journey itself. Um, and about four months after he launched, he asked me if I would quit my job and join the team because he had this momentum going. He was gaining listenership. He had a, a lot of people reaching out to him from his audience saying, you know, I wish I had other like-minded people to talk to because I feel alone on my journey and I'm not sure what steps to take next and I'm not sure if I'm doing the right things. And so John had this idea to start a mastermind, but he was just one person. He had two virtual team members at the at that point who were helping him with a lot of the logistics of producing the podcast. But in terms of like starting and managing a mastermind, he really didn't have the team to do that. And so he asked me if I would join so we could start creating products and services for our audience. And it took some convincing. I was a little bit like, I wasn't really sure if that was the best move for our relationship. And I didn't really know what that was going to look like. This was not my first leap into entrepreneurship, but definitely my first like partnership leap. Um, But after a lot of conversations and a few weeks kind of going back and forth, we decided, okay, let's do this. And this year we just celebrated, well, actually technically last year now, because we're in 2022 now, um, we celebrated nine years together with the business. That is mind-blowing. Nine years. Wow. That's crazy. I'm interested, you know, in those early days when he was four months into the journey, convincing you to join him, can you paint the picture of like, how much momentum were you getting? What what was kind of happening that you were like, oh yeah, okay, let's do it. And were you monetizing anything at that point at all? So at that point, John had, so our listenership was growing really quickly. Um, And that was in large part due to the fact that John was doing a daily podcast interviewing a successful entrepreneur. And you have to picture 2012, podcasting existed, but it wasn't like such a big deal, right? And so every time he had someone on the show, that was a lot of these people's first time being on a podcast and getting to share their journey and getting to talk about their business. And so people were very excited and motivated to share it with their audience. And so that really helped us gain this like snowball effect of of new listeners finding out about the podcast and that being the only daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs at the time. So it was a very unique show um, at, at that time. So he started having people ask if he offered coaching, which he had kind of never really got into it thinking like, I'm going to become a coach because John himself was learning so much about entrepreneurship along the way, right? Like he didn't have all this knowledge and advice to share. His guests did. So he was kind of learning along the way with his guests, but because he became such an authority figure, um, because he was the host of the podcast, you know, people were asking about coaching. So he got a coaching certification. Um, he started doing coaching. And so he was monetizing coaching a little bit. And right around the time that I joined the team, he'd actually had a couple of authors reach out to him and say that they were, that they wanted to launch, um, a book and they were wondering if they could come on the show to talk about it. And he thought, huh. Okay, well, 
If you um, want to sponsor the show, then you can come on as a sponsor uh, and we'll talk about your book launch. And so he very like happenstance came about this way to start getting sponsors for the show, like individuals who were launching books who wanted to talk about their book. And so he had started just like just barely started on the sponsorship route. So um we weren't in the green yet. I mean, we were still in the red in terms of operating expenses and everything that he put into starting the business. Again, he had two virtual team members at the time. So it's not like we were, you know, generating loads of money at the time. Um, it was a really, you know, a slow start, but a strong start. And when did things start to change? Like at what point was the, like where was the podcast when it did start to become something where you could go out and you know charge really interesting sponsorship packages and deals and things like that yeah i would say as we got later into 2013 um 2013 was a big year for us um it's when i joined the team we launched our first mastermind and we launched our mastermind with 50 people but um very quickly got up to 100 oh my gosh that's a and lot and that was like a pie in the sky goal for us yes we were wow. we thought the exact same thing <laughs> holy moly um, so and and that was because you know our our listenership was big enough that when John talked about the idea of starting a mastermind on the podcast and that concept had already been proven because the only reason he had the idea to do that is because loads of people from the audience were reaching out to him and asking him, you know, where do I go to find like-minded people? How can I surround myself with people who are on the same path as me? And so John thought, well, I can create that space for people. I can be the one to bring people together and create a Facebook group and share the knowledge that I have and help people on their journey. And so um, in 2013, July, we launched the Mastermind. October, we launched our flagship course, Podcasters Paradise, which we're still running today. It's our online podcasting community. And, um, and that year, we started taking on sponsors on a more regular basis. Um, you know, like bigger companies started showing interest in sponsoring the podcast. So I would say like later into 2013, 2014 is when we started generating pretty consistent um, revenue and had gotten ourselves out of the red. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love how you guys take the approach of documenting your monthly kind of earnings, where you're spending money, how how you're making money, that kind of thing. Could you share a little bit about what your revenue drivers are now and kind of like what's the biggest pieces of the puzzle and what's kind of you know, worth pursuing if you're going into that route of online, digital products, um, communities, podcasting, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so to your point, we have been documenting our income ever since the very beginning. Um, we actually have a single income report that's our first 365 days. So kind of everything we talked about, anybody could go back and see that first year. Oh my God, that's so cool. Um, yeah, the money spent, invested. John hired a mentor. He was a part of a mastermind himself. And then the products and services that I just talked about that we started launching that were generating revenue. Um, today in the business, our biggest driver of revenue right now is sponsorships. Um, we've been, you know, very lucky to connect with companies who 
are a great fit for our audience um, and we're able to really convert for them. So like ZipRecruiter has been one of our sponsors for years and they sign on, on an annual basis to sponsor the podcast. So we have a lot of recurring, like really solid relationships that we've been building with sponsors for years. Um, so that is currently our biggest driver of revenue, but sponsorship isn't super easy to come by because you have to have the listenership and the listenership and the sponsor have to fit together. Right. Um, so sponsorships is a big one. Podcasters paradise, as I mentioned, still running. And we are now at we started with a lifetime membership where you would just pay one price to join and you become a lifetime member. Um, around 2015, I want to say, we switched to a recurring revenue model. So that still generates around 15000 a month for us in recurring revenue and along with like new members joining because that's open all the time. People can join anytime. Um, so courses is another one. And then um, we do have a set of physical products. We have three journals um, and a book that John launched earlier in 2021. Um, so we do generate a bit of revenue from that as well. And then um, trailing would be our affiliate relationships. Um, and that has kind of been like an ebb and flow for us. Like there was a time where we... Um, Affiliate revenue was a lot higher for us. We were engaged in a lot more affiliate relationships than we are now. Um, I would say over the past couple of years, like we've really just honed in on that 80-20 for us. And it really is the sponsorships and the courses um, where we feel we can make the biggest impact and uh, and generate uh, revenue. And it's stuff that we love doing. Like I absolutely love our community. And it makes me so happy to have this win-win-win relationship with our sponsors because you know, our sponsors winning, we're winning and our audience is winning. So it's a, it's working really well for us right now. Yeah. That's amazing. Having like the different, the different revenue streams and kind of like leaning more into the things that bring you joy and actually drive a significant amount of the revenue. That's so cool. For anyone who's kind of just getting started in podcasting or is early on in the journey, what would you say what would your advice be around sponsorship? Like when should you go looking for sponsorship? At what kind of point in the journey is it worthwhile to start getting out there and asking for deals? I think honestly, anytime, but the key is it has to be either a very niche audience. Um, so it doesn't have to be a huge audience, but it does have to be super specific because then you can go to sponsors and show them your engagement and, um, the fact that they'd be a perfect fit for your audience. If you have like a, a marketing show, then it's going to be very difficult for you to prove to a sponsor that your audience is the right fit for them, right? Um, but if you have a Pinterest marketing show, then you can really hone in on um, sponsors that would fit really well. So I think at any time, if you have a super niche and engaged audience, um, that you can absolutely reach, start reaching out to sponsors. Um, the other thing to consider, though, and then, sorry, if you're coming at it from the other end, really um, looking to 5,000 downloads and up per episode is like a good place to start. But in both camps, really probably more like 10,000, depending on what advertisers you're you're talking with. Um in, in either of those camps, I think it's really important to consider what it's worth to you. Um, because of course, putting sponsorships in your show, um, 
you know, if they're helpful to the audience and, and they're bringing value, then that's one thing. But if it's just a slew of like four advertisements that maybe don't fit great or aren't benefiting the audience, then what is that doing to your show? And what's that doing to your audience, whether people are dropping off because of that? So you really have to weigh how much is a sponsor going to be willing to pay you? And is that amount worth um, what you're doing to put them on? Because probably like, 80% of my working time is spent on sponsorships. Like it's not a quick and super fast, easy thing, you know, to develop these relationships, to get the reads right, to, um, you know, the invoicing and everything. There's a lot that goes into it. So it's not just like, hey, I connected with a sponsor and they're going to pay me money and I'm going to talk on the show. Like there's a lot, a, a lot more moving pieces than that. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a really nice segue into what I wanted to move into, which is more around like your day-to-day role within the business. From what I've read, you're very much kind of the engine, the back end, and you've got all the systems and processes and everything set up so that the show can have its success. So I'd love to understand, you know, what are the key systems and processes that you've implemented and what is your day-to-day life like behind the scenes? Mm-hmm. So um, definitely around our content, that's a big one. Um, so any content that's getting put out on the blog, um, content that's in our newsletters, um, we have a weekly newsletter where we talk about the podcast episodes that are going live or that have gone live. Um, we have a, a weekly roundup where we share um, resources and tips with our um, audience, with our newsletter list. So that the content um, system that we have together is definitely critical because it helps us stay consistent. Um, that, and of course the production schedule for the podcast is a biggie, um, cause that's kind of at the center of everything. So the system that we have in place for that, so that we're, you know, we're always a month ahead on our content. Um, we're never at a loss for, um, or up against a wall for publishing or anything like that, which creates a lot of space and a lot of bandwidth to be able to spend more time working on, um, growth things for the business. Uh, our sponsor, I mean, we have a very tight system for our sponsorships, like how we reach out to, I think in no, I think it was in November, we had like 17 different sponsors. So the amount of communication and back and forth that happens, um, every, you know, on an ongoing basis with sponsors is we have a, a tight system going for that as well. Um, Definitely for our community as well. So for Podcasters Paradise, that's probably our biggest, most engaged community that we have. And then we also have a Facebook community around our journals and the book. And so those two communities, um, putting time into that every single day is also kind of a system that we have down to make sure that we're present. Um, so I I mean, on a day-to-day basis for me, a lot of it's looking like I have a, a, a sort of flow that I go through in the morning to where um, I use Asana for my task and project management, which I really love the system. It's very super simple. And so everything that I have to do in a given day is in Asana and it's dated. So I can just go to my Asana, see exactly what I have on my plate for the day. And usually that consists of doing a sweep on social media. So being spending time in each of our groups, um, checking my calendar for anything that I have scheduled, like an interview like this, um, and then making sure that I'm getting to any communications, my inbox, sponsorships, um, or any, uh, most of the community-related um, 
like to do's in terms of, you know, somebody's having an issue getting into the membership site or they need to change their password, their billing, all that kind of stuff. Um, my VA um, handles that, but it's still routing it to the correct place. So just making sure things are being routed correctly. So I would say systems for content, system for the podcast, system for sponsorship, system for team, and system for our community are probably like the top. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're like the ultimate operator implementer. This is blowing my mind how much you do. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nine years in the making. <laughs> nine years in the making and you've got it down yeah. to a fine art, it sounds like. Do you have just one VA like between the both of you or like how big is the team outside of you two? So we have three, three VAs. Um, one is John's dedicated um, assistant. One is my dedicated assistant. And then we have one who's really working on the pod, um, uh, helping us with the podcast. And also uh, he manages our PPC on Amazon for our journals. Oh, okay. Right. Got it. That's so interesting. Wow. It's it's a tight ship around there. Yeah. Gosh, you guys do so much. That's crazy. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'd love to talk a little bit about, you mentioned before, you know, when it comes to growth, what you need to do. What are the biggest kind of needle movers that you've seen in the last 12 months or what are you focusing on for this upcoming year when it comes to growth? And actually, second part of the question is how have you grown over the nine years? Like what do you attribute your success to? Yeah. So I would say in terms of over the last nine years, something that I'm really big on and that I'm careful to focus on um, whenever I'm doing interviews and talking about the growth of our business is that nothing that we ever created was created simultaneously. And what I mean by that is we were never, um, you know, launching a community and also doing, you know, launching a book and also creating a journal. Like everything was done um, on its own, total focus on that, making sure that everything was, you know, tight, launching that, working out any kinks, creating a system for it, and then we could focus on other things. So I think a lot of the times, you know, we have so many opportunities. There's a lot of opportunities, right? There's a lot of great platforms, um, online courses, uh, sponsorships for your podcast. Like there's any number of things that we could be focusing on at any given time. But I think it's really important that you focus on one of those to get it going and get it up and running to prove it, to, to prove the concept of it then to improve the way that it works. And once it's functioning and you can create a system around it to help save you time when you do that thing, then you can focus on the next thing. So I really attribute a massive portion of our growth to that mentality of not trying to do, you know, five things at once, always focusing on one at a time. Um, So as I mentioned, like, you know, we first launched the mastermind community. We focused on that mastermind community. We got it up and running. We got all the members in there. We made sure it was working really well. We put a system around it so that everyone on our team knew their roles as it related to the mastermind. And then once we had all that set up, then we launched Podcasters Paradise and we started um, creating that. So um, I think that's really important for ongoing growth. Otherwise, you just burn out or you get overwhelmed or you're doing too many things in too many different directions. So none of them really work. And this clutter. Yes. Brain clutter. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. And frustration and, you know, feeling like you're not making progress. I mean, it's just a recipe for disaster. Um, and it's not easy. It is not easy when you have a lot of opportunities and a lot of things that you're interested in to be able to focus on just one. Um, but I really believe that that's what it takes. Um, so, so that's how, how we've gotten so much growth. And then I would say in terms of like future growth, this is another thing that I love to focus on because it took me and us, John and I, a long time to realize that um, we were creating a business that we we're not like up for. Um, so around 2018, 
We had probably like seven or eight contractors that we had on retainer. We had five people on the team plus us. And we were just like creating more, launching more, doing more. And we got to a point where we were like, wait a second, we created this business for lifestyle freedom and, you know, to be able to take off and travel when we want and to make, you know, of course, make an impact for our audience and and generate revenue. But really like we were, we were ready to have a business that could run without us if it needed to, not that we wanted that to be the everyday of it, but that we could step away and not worry about the business like crumbling. And so we really redirected our focus. We got we adjusted our contractor um, relationships. Um, we ended up dropping two of our virtual team members who just honestly weren't necessary for the work that we were looking at ahead. And um, and today, as I said, you know, it's myself, John, and we have three virtual team members. We don't work with any contractors anymore, except for, you know, we have a CPA, we have a lawyer, um, that type of stuff. But in terms of like project-based stuff, um, and we really just real we we realize that the type of business we want want to run doesn't require us forty hours a week, and the type of business we want to run doesn't look like launching all these new products and services. What it really looked like is that eighty twenty focusing in on what's already working for us and doubling down on that. So, I mean. Of course, we want to continue to grow ourselves personally, become better individuals, become better entrepreneurs. But in terms of like new things, new projects, new courses, new communities that we're looking to launch, we really don't have anything on the horizon. We're really happy with where the business is at right now. And we feel that being able to redirect our energy back into what we already have going with Podcasters Paradise, with the journals, with John's book. Um, I mean, that was really big last year. The book launch took up a massive (laughs) amount of time. That was a huge focus for us Um, and all the bonuses off the back end of it. But yeah, in terms of growth, we're really looking at like continuing to improve what we already have. Does that mean it kind of sounds like you really focus on organic growth through launch, you you know, originally through the launches of new products and new offerings, but now instead of focusing on pushing for growth, it's kind of like maintaining what you already have and just growing organically through that. Is that about right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm. definitely. And it's really great. We were very lucky last year. We joined the HubSpot Podcast Network, which has been a a big driver for continued listenership growth. And I really do feel like with John's book coming out last year, you know, we have uh, and the journals on Amazon, I do feel like people are finding out about us every day who have no idea who we are, who have never heard the podcast before. Um, Our site, because it has, you know, because it's so old <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Um, and we've been creating content on it for nine years now. We get a ton of organic um, traffic through Google. Um, and John and I are on other podcasts all the time. So we're constantly getting out there and, you know, putting in the time to add value to other audiences, to connect with other entrepreneurs, and in that way, um, get the word out as well. So yeah, it, we've, we've always been big fans of content marketing and organic growth. What advice do you have for someone like me who's really early on in the podcast journey, but looking to someone like you and John being like, wow, I'm going to try and get there one day. <laughs> yeah, I think that the, I think it's really important to realize that no two journeys are going to look exactly the same. 
Um, and so, you know, we get a lot of people in our podcasting community, like wanting a very specific and exact answer to solve maybe a struggle or a challenge that they're up against. And a lot of the times the answer is just like, you have to test different things out and see what's going to work for you. Um, because we can tell you what worked for us, but when we started our podcast, the landscape was very different as we discussed earlier in this episode. So I think it's really important to just stay flexible, um, be willing to pivot and know that you can try different things. And if they don't work, then you just have to be able to be flexible enough to say, okay, I tried it. It's not working. You know, be tracking those metrics so that you know, so that you have a basis for whether or not something's working. And when you find something that works, double down. Um, I get I like, it kills me when I see people doing things that are working really well, but then they start moving in like four other directions. I know we talked a bit about focus too, and really like honing in on one thing that's working. Um, but I think that's also a critical lesson is like, if you find something that's working, instead of expending your energy, trying to go in like four different directions or try a bunch of other things, double down on that thing that's working. Mm, I feel like you're like telling me exactly how I am. <laughs> I'm the person that's trying to do all the things. And if something's working, I'm like, we should do more. We should do all the things. You are um, not alone. <laughs> you know, when you're saying though, just to like dig one layer deeper here, you're saying that you, you're tracking something and if you should know what's working, that kind of thing. How do you determine if something truly is working or if it's only kind of working? Because obviously like you can see when things start to snowball, but it's not that kind of like viral moment maybe that people are looking for and then they're trying to replicate that oftentimes it is that you know smaller kind of growth through like consistency I guess you would say how can you actually determine whether you should double down on on the thing yeah I think that I think having a clear picture of what success is for you is really important um, and it has to be realistic, right? Because to your point, you can go for like this virality and these crazy stats that are, you know, very unique. It's not a lot of people get like these huge jumps and downloads or whatever it might be. Um, so it has to be a realistic goal for you. And for me on my podcasting journey, because I've launched several podcasts of my own and I always kind of had in the back of my mind, like the growth of EO Fire, which is very different to the growth of the podcast that I've launched. And for me, it's always um, a matter of giving myself those small goals. And once I'm able to hit them, then up leveling from there. So, um, I mean, downloads is the easiest thing thing to, or one of the easiest things to track because you're just looking at numbers. Um, I don't always like to use that as an example, because for me, I don't really think that downloads are the most important thing for a podcast. Um, but you could also do like start tracking engagement. Um, that was always a really big one for me. I knew that if I could engage with my audience and understand, um, you know, how they found me, why they decided to tune in, what types of things were really like triggers for them or that they really resonated with. And that would help me become a better podcast host. And so like for me, a lot of the times um, I would test out different calls to action and, you know, maybe my call to action that was asking people to sign up for a newsletter, I'd get maybe like one or two people signing up, but then I'd have a call to action for people to reach out to me on Instagram and I'd get like seven people send me a direct message. So it's kind of like being able to compare too. And that's why I think it's important to try a bunch of different things out to see what's going to work for you. Because 
when you're able to have that comparison, then it makes it quite obvious. Okay, my call to action trying to get people to sign up for my newsletter is not working. But when I ask people to engage with me on Instagram, like that is working. So I think having having that comparison is important and understanding okay, like, let me, let me kind of double down on this engagement thing. And it doesn't mean I can't circle back to the newsletter thing. Maybe I need to start testing out different offers to get people um, to want to do that. But um, is that helpful? Yeah, I love that. And that makes so much sense. So much sense. I'm definitely going to start tracking those. I've never really tracked my end call to actions for what I ask people to do. I just kind of like go with the flow and like mix it up. So I guess I don't know what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. That's really interesting. <laughs> that's a, that's an eye opener <laughs> for me. Thank you so much for sharing that. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Mm-hmm.